I'm reading from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 5, beginning at the 10th verse. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. For many people, this beatitude seems to be the one most likely to be untrue. Happy are the persecuted. For many people, being rejected, hated, is the most painful of all experiences. Actually, we spend most of our time getting people to like us, to think well of us. In our interactions with other people, we think of ways to impress them, to put our best foot forward, to look nice and attractive, to appear clever and cool. After we meet people, we want to walk away thinking, I really impressed that person. We don't like it when people revile us, persecute us, and slander us. We spend most of our time trying to avoid those things and hoping that none of those things will ever happen to us. And yet here is Jesus saying that when those things happen to us, we are blessed, happy, blissful, to be envied. That's good to know because the Christian is destined to experience persecution and ridicule. It's rather strange, isn't it, that the Christian, the person who has been described so far in these Beatitudes, is going to be the person who will be persecuted. Christians are poor in spirit, mourners, meek, people who hunger and thirst after righteousness, pure in heart, peacemakers, What's to hate? Those characteristics seem to be the kind that would never rub anybody the wrong way. Why would such people ever be persecuted and slandered? We have to remember that as we went through this list of Beatitudes, that these characteristics are exactly the opposite of human nature. They are exactly the opposite of what the world wants us to be the opposite of what the world teaches us to be. So when the world sees these characteristics in other people, it automatically makes them angry, suspicious. Jesus said, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. But we are not of the world, therefore the world hates us. As you can see, it's easy to avoid persecution, ridicule, and slander. All you have to do is conform to the standards of the world. But live like Jesus Christ, and there is no way to avoid the persecution. Because we have these characteristics of Jesus, we appear strange to the world, different, even bizarre, and we all have the tendency to reject and fear what is different, what we don't understand. Jesus says, Blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So those people who are members of his kingdom are going to be the ones rejected by the world. The scripture teaches us that if you are a member of God's kingdom, it is inevitable that you are going to be persecuted. After all, the most holy and godly man who ever lived, our Lord Jesus Christ himself, was also the most hated 
persecuted, reviled, and slandered person who ever lived. If we are his followers, how can we expect not to be treated in the same fashion? Jesus said in John 15, Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. We have this mistaken notion that the more we conform to the image of Christ, the more people are going to like us and respect us. That didn't happen in the life of Christ himself, and the more like him we become, the more we can expect the hatred of the world. The more loving, the more kind, the more gentle, the more compassionate you become, the more you will be persecuted. Someone once said, ministry is about risk. The more you live like Jesus, the more you try to minister to others, the more you risk. In reality, you risk everything to love others the way Christ loved them. Whenever the Christian is persecuted, we must remember the world's hatred of us is really a hatred of Jesus Christ himself. Remember how hated he was when he came into the world. Now Christ lives in each one of us, and we are living the way Christ lived. So in 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, the Apostle Paul said, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Notice how St. Paul puts it. He doesn't say that all that preach shall suffer persecution. He said that all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's not just what we believe that brings the persecution. It's not just the things we say that brings the persecution. It's the godly, holy life itself that brings the persecution. Sometimes we think that it is only the preacher, the more public person who speaks out that will attract this persecution, but it isn't so. The Christian life itself, even if the person never spoke out publicly about Jesus Christ, the life itself would be enough to invite persecution and slander simply because the Christian life is so foreign to others and convicting to others. You have to remember that the more godly you become, the more you are going to remind others that their lives are not what they should be. That automatically results in resentment, anger, and jealousy. So you don't have to go looking for persecution. You don't have to go out tomorrow and say, I'm going to walk up to someone and confront them with the gospel of Christ and they will start persecuting me. No, just live the Christian life. Just live the way Christ lived and the persecution comes automatically. And let me just throw in here that when we are persecuted, let us be sure that it is because we are living godly lives that we are persecuted. It is because we are poor in spirit, meek, pure in heart, hungering and thirsting after righteousness that we are persecuted. Sometimes Christians are persecuted because of their arrogant, unkind, unloving, rude attitudes and words. In those cases, we deserve to be persecuted. Persecution in and of itself is not a sign that we are following Christ. As someone once said, when Jesus died on the cross, there were three men who were crucified that day, and two of them deserved to be there. Being on a cross, being hated, being persecuted is not always a sign that we are living godly lives. 
when we are fanatical and use very questionable means of spreading the gospel, we are not being persecuted for righteousness sake. We have to make sure that it is because we are living like Christ that we are persecuted. Our Lord makes it clear in this beatitude, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. This promise of blessedness, the promise of the great reward is for those who are persecuted for living a godly life, living according to God's righteous standard revealed in his holy word. Jesus said we are blessed when people say all manner of evil against us falsely. Sometimes people say evil things about us truly because we have done and said things that we shouldn't have and what they say against us is justified. We must be sure that when people say things against us, it is for the sake of Christ. It is because we have been true to his word, because we have been living in accordance with his teaching that people say things against us falsely. So the persecution is inevitable. In his first letter to the Thessalonians, St. Paul is trying to comfort the Thessalonian Christians about the persecution that he has been suffering. And he says that no man should be moved by these afflictions for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation even as it came to pass and ye know. Paul says we were appointed, we were destined to suffer these things. That's why we told you beforehand so you wouldn't be surprised. St. Peter said the same thing in 1 Peter 4.12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. In spite of all these verses and the teachings of Christ himself, we seem almost bewildered and puzzled when persecution and slander come our way. We ask ourselves, how could this happen to someone like me? That is why we have these words over and over in Scripture. Think it not strange. Do not marvel. This kind of treatment is inevitable. And yet, even though this persecution is inevitable, even though it is painful, it should not diminish our joy, but rather increase it. Jesus said, Blessed are ye when these things happen. Remembering the teachings of his master, St. Peter wrote in his first epistle, but and if ye suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye. Then he said, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. Notice that. Rejoice and be glad with exceeding joy. What did Jesus say? Rejoice and be exceeding glad. St. Peter said that when we are treated in this way, the spirit of glory and of God rests on us. So in this sense, we are actually to look upon persecution as a gift from God. St. Paul said in Philippians 1.29, For unto you it is given, that is, granted as a gift, in behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. When God gave you the ability to believe in Christ, that ability was granted to you as a gift. 
But along with that faith that he gave you, he gave you another gift, the gift of suffering for Christ's sake. Now, we like the first gift, faith, but we don't look upon that second gift in such a favorable light. But we should look upon both faith and suffering as precious gifts from God. Now, according to Jesus, what kind of unpleasant things might we expect from the world? Jesus mentions three things in particular. He says we will be persecuted, reviled, and slandered. The word persecuted comes from a word that basically means to chase, to drive away, or pursue. And as we look at the history of the church, we can see that believers experienced all of those forms of persecution from time to time. They were chased, chased away, driven into exile. They were pursued, arrested, tortured, and even killed for their faith. The next thing we could expect is to be reviled. The word reviled literally means to scold or ridicule. In other words, we can expect to be verbally insulted. Look at all the verbal insults that our Lord endured when he was here among us. He was criticized. He was mocked. Even when he was dying on the cross, people were reviling him. As we read in Mark 15, and they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise, also the chief priests, mocking, said among themselves with the scribes, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. Let Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross, that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him reviled him. So we can expect verbal insults from the world. Then our Lord said that all kinds of things would be said against us falsely. In other words, we would be slandered. Our Lord was slandered frequently. People said that he had a demon, that he was illegitimate, that he was a blasphemer, that he was a glutton and a drunkard. When the court couldn't find anything legitimate to accuse him of, they hired false witnesses to make up lies to use against him. Slander is one of the most difficult things for us to accept and live with. Slander does so much danger to our reputations, and we lose our good name. Our good names, our reputations, are another of those good things we risk when we follow Jesus Christ. Very often when we think of suffering for Christ, we think merely of prison or death. And we ask ourselves, would I be willing to die for Christ? The question in America is more, would I be willing to live for Christ? When Jesus and his followers went to their deaths, their deaths seemed like a shameful defeat. We glorify them now, but at the same time, the world was not admiring and cheering. They were debasing and jeering. Their lives were open to ridicule and abuse. In spite of that, still the Christians should rejoice and be glad when we are persecuted and slandered. We are suffering the same kind of shame that Jesus suffered. We are suffering the same kind of ridicule the prophets suffered. Jesus said, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. If we suffer for righteousness' sake, we join the ranks of people like Elijah, Isaiah, and Jeremiah, 
and all the prophets who were persecuted for righteousness sake. What a joy to be part of such a glorious company. And furthermore, this suffering for the sake of Christ comes with great blessing, the greatest of all blessings, the kingdom of heaven. Great is your reward in heaven. Those who suffer for the sake of Christ will be richly rewarded. Charles Simeon describes this reward in this way. When he, the Christian, looks forward to the eternal world and considers how rich a recompense he shall there receive for every sacrifice which he has here made for God, he accounts himself happy in being called to bear the cross. He knows that the trial of his faith will be found to praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, and that his afflictions, which are but light and momentary, will work for him a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. He expects assuredly the kingdom of heaven because God has promised it to him. Yea, he expects more. He expects that his reward shall be great in heaven and increased in proportion to his sufferings. Doubtless, afflictions are not joyous in themselves, but grievous. But when regarded in the preceding views, they become real sources and grounds of joy. St. Paul was certainly a very competent judge, and he, after a careful computation founded on actual experience, says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. However painful, therefore, they may be, if only they conduce to our everlasting felicity, they must and will to every believing soul be an occasion of joy. He will take joyfully the spoiling of his goods, and if his blood be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of the church's faith, he will congratulate himself on it as a happy event for which he has reason to bless and glorify his God. May God give us faith to truly believe these promises of our Lord Jesus Christ so strongly that even if persecution, insult, and slander come our way, we will rejoice and be exceeding glad. Amen.